Welcome to The Wild Photographer with Court Whalen. Hey friends, this is one that I've been looking forward to for a long while now. There is nothing that makes the photographer's heart pitter-patter quite like an African safari. Um, I know it's on your bucket list. If you have not been there already, you've got to go there. If you've been once, go twice. If you've been five times, go ten times. It's the most amazing thing. You're going to get the best sensational photographs out of it. If you've been there, you know it. If you haven't been, you will discover that. So without further ado, I want to talk about the key gear for an African safari, the key photo gear. Uh, like I said, this is something I've been looking forward to for a long while, been thinking about it. I'm going to whittle it down into five pieces of key gear. And for each one of those sections, I'm going to expand a bit. You know, when I'm talking about things like the right safari telephoto lens, I'm going to explain about telephotos in general and kind of my top picks. I've got four other topics like that over the course of this podcast. So again, let's just jump right into it, shall we? Number one, make sure you have the right telephoto lens. Now, there are many, many telephoto lenses out there. You probably have your own. Uh, if you already have one, great. If you're in the market for one, this is going to be some important information specifically for wildlife safaris. Is there such thing as a perfect telephoto? Well, not really, because there's always going to be pros and cons and merits and challenges, et cetera, et cetera. Most folks will begin with a zoom telephoto. And what a zoom telephoto is, is something that has zoom. So it's got a range of focal lengths like 100 to 400, 70 to 300, 200 to 500. These are all zoom telephotos. The telephoto is the actual distance or that, the extent of the focal length that it reaches. So when we talk about a safari zoom telephoto, we're talking mostly about indeed those lenses I just mentioned, that 100 to 400. 200 to 500. I, I think Canon just came out with a 100 to 600 for their mirrorless platform. This is awesome stuff. You want to have some range, some upper range. So 400, in my opinion, is kind of like the lowest you're going to want to go. Your 70 to 300s just not really going to cut it. And this, this is the same whether you're at full frame or crop frame. You really want to push the envelope on how much distance you can get. So my personal top pick, my favorite lens for Safari is indeed the 100 to 400 range. I love it. Canon's new Mark II version of this lens is super tip-top quality. It's a great range. I shoot on full frame, so it's not going to be as much length or distance as a crop frame sensor. Nevertheless, 400 on a full frame is still pretty darn good. There are some new lenses out there. I know Nikon just came out with a 200 to 500. Their, their long time standing kind of equivalent is the 80 to 400. They also have a 200 to 400, but this new 200 to 500 is pretty darn good. Um, we often look at the aperture rating at the maximum focal length. So the 100 to 400 is, it gets up to like f5.6. I think the 200 to 500 is uh, up to f6.3. So that number is really important for African safari photography because we want to have a low f number if possible. A lot of the photographs we're going to be taking are at the early morning hours, the late evening hours, and we want that small aperture number or that wide aperture opening to let in as much light as possible. There are other places in the world where we're shooting in the midday and we're not limited by light. Safari photography often is limited by light. I'll say it again. Safari photography is often limited by light. So one of the big measures for a lens's success or prowess for African safaris is how low of F number you can get or the equivalent, how big of an aperture you can get at that maximum aperture rating. The other really critical thing with safari lenses is the size and the weight. We're often in small bush planes. We're often roaming across savannas and bumpy safari jeeps. Uh, the smaller the lens, the lighter the lens, really the better. But, you know, you can't always have your cake and eat it too. And then there's this other variable about cost. You know, if you were to have a small lens 
and a light lens and a great range, it's going to cost a lot. So I often say, you know, you you have three different variables. You have the range, so the maximum focal length, 400, 500, 600. You have the size and weight as a single unit, so just the massiveness of the lens. So that's the second one. And then cost. So three main variables, three main factors, uh, you get to have two. <laughs> and what I mean by that is if you are sensitive to cost, you might not be able to get the maximum range or you might not be able to get the best size and weight. If you are sensitive to size and weight, you might have to pay a little bit more or not get as much range. If the cost doesn't matter, then you kind of get to have all the things, but you might have to pay $8,000, $10,000 just for the lens. And still, at the end of the day, you probably will be hard-pressed to find one of these super bazooka telephotos that is still small and lightweight. Now, we're going to see some more coming out in the future here with these mirrorless lenses and mirrorless systems. But nevertheless, there's three factors. You've got the telephoto capacity, how far it's going to reach. You've got the general size of the lens, and you have the cost. We are conscious about all three. So if I wasn't conscious about two of those three, the size and the weight plus the cost, really my ideal Safari lens would be the Prime Lens series. This means the lenses that do not have zoom capabilities, but they're big, they're beefy, they're sturdy, they're incredible crisp clarity in terms of the the optical components. The 400 millimeter f2.8 is about as good as you can get. Uh, 400, it's got great range. It's so sharp and so clear that you can absolutely crop further on the computer. F2.8 makes this amazing blur in the background. You can shoot in low light. It's just an extraordinary lens. The issue is that for most pro-level systems, this is going to cost you about $11,000, and it's going to weigh about 10 pounds. For African safaris where you're limited to, let's say, 44 pounds from camp to camp on these small flights and these small Jeeps, uh, that's a big chunk of your weight. So when you look at having you know less than 50 pounds for everything and 10 of it, you know, including jackets and underwear and toiletries, uh, 10 of it being just one lens of your already heavy camera gear, it's kind of a big deal. So yeah, you want to hear about the ideal, that's it. Throw in a two times tele extender and you're going to get every single photo you could ever, ever imagine. But again, costly both in size as well as for the pocketbook. So for those reasons, I try to go somewhere in the middle for all these things. I really try not to compromise quality. So I definitely want to get a high quality lens. But again, something in that 100 to 400 millimeter range is really good for all camera platforms, whether it's Sony, Nikon, Canon, Panasonic, Olympus, you name it. You are stuck with a little bit of a bigger F number. So you're not going to get those super wide apertures for ridiculously low light photography. But again, middle of the road, super high quality of the photos you can get. Pretty darn good range is 400 millimeters. I'm pretty happy. We're talking about about $2,000 and something like three pounds. It's kind of right in the middle for all the things that I want. Okay, so moving on from there, my second key piece of gear is a small travel tripod. Now, you know me, I'm not a huge fan of tripods, but I am a huge fan of interesting, unique photography. And on safaris, one of the coolest ways to get unique, interesting photos is at night. And I'm not talking about wildlife photos. I don't want you roaming around the Maasai Mara or the Serengeti or the Okavango Delta by yourself with, with hippos in the middle of the night, but around your camp, uh, if and when you are allowed out at night, sometimes you might have to take a camp guard, but you can actually bring a small travel tripod, bring your camera with an ultra wide angle lens or just your general wide angle lens, and you can get some really darn cool photos of your camp at night. A lot of these African safari camps are lit up with old timey lanterns and beautiful candlelight and this nice kind of safari khaki canvas. The, the lighting is really awesome. You get out there at the blue hour when the sun's just set, kind of the, t- the twilight time, and you're going to get some really unique photos. 
Uh, you can find a rock. You can find a railing. I often tout that as a great fallback plan if you don't have a travel tripod. But nevertheless, some small little tripod that weighs next to nothing that, you know, it's not going to provide you phenomenal stability if you're going on a two-week-long northern lights trip. But for just a couple extra kind of X-factor shots of your safari camp at night, really, really darn fun. I highly recommend it. So what we're talking about with the small travel tripod, weight restrictions can be a big deal. Like I said, you're usually limited to something like 40 or 50 pounds for your entire kit, not just your camera, but your your clothes and your toiletries as well. Uh, So we're looking at something that's just absolutely minimal. Uh, I like Gorilla Pods. I like Manfrotto's little travel tripods. There's Photo, M-E-F-O-T-O. They make great little lightweight travel tripods. They can be cumbersome. They're not perfect. They're not the tripod that you want to do and use all day, every day. But if you don't use it much, like a couple photos every night, it can be a really indispensable piece of gear, again, for photos that are unique that other people don't get. They're really phenomenal opportunities. Next up, a good multi-purpose walking around lens. So if, if you could see me in my home in Boulder, Colorado, I'm putting air quotes around walking around. That's just something that I use as a terminology I use. A walking around lens is your lens for just for everything other than the wildlife photography. Walking around camp, walking around cities or towns or villages, maybe taking some macro photography if you're in a pinch. So I'm, I'm talking about something like in the 24 to 105 millimeter arena. Um, that's the lens that I use for my full frame camera. If you are on a crop frame, I'm talking about something like the 18 to 55s. These are your lenses that come with the kit. You know, maybe you upgrade and get like the 17 to 55 f2.8 or get a little bit more range and do like an 18 to 75 just something middle of the range. You're talking about a lens for cultural photography, travel photography, landscape photography. These lenses often do not have the best aperture ratings because they are kind of, you know, what I say, kit lenses. They are general. So usually you have something like a steady F4 throughout in the case of that 24 to 105. That's fantastic. I love that. Now you can sometimes find lenses that are, you know, 24 to 70s that are F2.8. They are great. They're a bit heavier. They oftentimes don't have image stabilization. I love image stabilization for uh, just general photography, but also for videography. If I'm walking around a camp doing a little narration, little walkthrough. So, you know, F2.8, always a huge bonus, especially like those uh, night photos I was just talking about. Sometimes your ultra wide angle lenses can get down to F2.8 pretty easily. You know, if you choose to bring an ultra wide angle instead of a walking around lens like that 24 to 105, it's fine. You're going to get away with it. But I think having something with a little bit of zoom range, getting just into that kind of telephoto ability, you know, 105, 120, it's a pretty good upper range for this walking around lens. You're going to get a lot more photos if you have this with you. The other thing I love these lenses for is they actually double as a great macro lens. So I don't often bring a macro lens on Safari because I am quite limited by gear. I'm going to bring, you know, an extra camera body or I'm going to bring a bigger lens or something in the middle instead of a macro each and every time. But a lot of these walking around lenses, a lot of these wide angle zoom lenses will have ability if you, and this is a trick, this is a really cool technique, you can zoom all the way in. So if you were using the 24 to 105, you zoom all the way to 105. If you're using an 18 to 55, zoom all the way to 55. Then you take your focusing ring and you go ahead and set that on the very minimum closest focusing distance. So maximum zoom, minimum focusing distance, then click your lens on manual focus, or maybe click your lens on manual focus first and then manually dial your ring to that minimum focusing. And then what you're gonna do is, just try this at home, this is a great technique. 
go in your backyard and you're going to aim at a flower or an insect or a leaf or something that has some really cool texture, something you can get close to, and you yourself are going to be the focusing ring. So you're not going to touch that focusing ring. You're keeping on the minimum focusing distance, but you are physically moving towards the insect or the flower until the image comes into focus. At that moment, when you have zoomed in all the way and you're at the minimum focusing distance and the image is crisp and clear and in focus, that is a true one-to-one macro. It's a really cool technique. You can't get it really any other way. Uh, you know, you can't get it by zooming out. You can't get it by backing up and using autofocus. That gets you to true maximum macro capabilities. So, you know, I saved myself a couple of pounds of weight. I bring a different lens. You know, maybe I'll bring an ultra wide angle instead of a, a macro lens and I can use my walking around lens. I can use that all purpose general travel lens as my macro. Fun stuff. You are going to want this lens for sunrises and sunsets as well. There, you know, you go to Africa, you think, well, gosh, yeah, there's going to be some cool landscape shots, but it's mostly about the wildlife. It's mostly about the cultures. Uh, that's fantastic too, but gosh, there are some exquisite landscapes to be had, some exquisite sunrises and sunsets. So don't leave the lens at home. Uh, it is a great lens for nearly everything except for the wildlife shots. So really at the end of the day, all you need are two different lenses. You need some good beefy telephoto, a zoom telephoto to give you versatility and then some sort of walking around lens and that those are the key pieces of lens equipment for the trip so this fourth piece of gear is going to be a little bit controversial because it's going to require a little bit extra weight it's going to be a little bit extra money Uh, not a lot of people have these but if you are serious about photography and you want to get the best and most photos of african landscapes and people and wildlife and just the whole thing you want to consider strongly consider a second camera body Usually this is a case when you have upgraded recently and you've kept your old camera body and resisted selling it. You said, well, maybe it'll come in handy one day. It doesn't have to be as good a quality as your main camera. You don't have to have two exact replicas of the camera body. You just need to have two vehicles, two bodies to put two different lenses on. I can tell you that's a great thing about point and shoot cameras nowadays is that if if you need it, you can zoom in for a wildlife shot one second and zoom out within a matter of seconds to a landscape shot or a people shot or some sort of really cool travel shot within seconds. For we that have DSLRs and mirrorless cameras and those with interchangeable lenses, it takes us time. Uh, it takes us time. We risk getting the sensor dusty. It means we have to have our backpack really close to us. If you just have two camera bodies with two lenses on it, you're going to get so many more photos, so many better photos, I guarantee you. So the next question people often ask is, okay, great. I was planning on taking a second camera body or, hey, you convinced me to take a second body. Which lens do I put on which camera? Almost always one of the two camera bodies is the quote unquote better one, the newer one, the more advanced one. Sometimes you have an older crop frame sensor camera and newer full frame. What do you do there? Well, it's pretty darn subjective, but I will say you're going to be using your good camera most of the time. So think about the lens that you're going to take 60, 70, 75% of your shots with and put that lens on the good camera irrespective of the focal length. Now, usually for that, for me, that means I'm going to put my 100 to 400, my my telephoto zoom, my wildlife lens on the really good camera because those are the shots I'm going to be taking most often. And I'm going to have the wide angle on the lesser camera body or the older camera body. The other reason this is a good idea, not just because the wildlife is my main focus. I mean, I love landscapes of Africa, but the wildlife is really what I'm after. The other reason is that you're going to have a lot less need for super high quality 
of general landscape shots, of travel shots. These are things that are zoomed out, so you don't see the definition of the pixels quite so much. Sometimes with wildlife photography, actually oftentimes with wildlife photography, I am cropping in and I'm manipulating it. I'm, I'm doing all sorts of things with the photo because you know it might be too sunlit of a condition. The, the animal might be too far away. So I wanna have maximum flexibility to edit, to process that photo on the better camera. For my landscape shots, I might value them just as much. I might love those photos. I might use them more. But generally landscape and travel photos, they do okay or they do better with a lesser camera than the other way around. If you had your wide angle on your full frame camera, that's great. But landscape shots, wide angle shots, they are more forgiving of quality. So you don't necessarily need to use your big bad firepower of the best camera you have with you for the shots that generally have more forgiveness to them. Now, one of the other considerations you may wanna make is if you truly do have a crop frame sensor versus a full frame sensor, or rather I should say a crop frame and a full frame sensor as your two camera bodies. So crop frame sensors have a bit of a multiplier effect. They actually make telephoto lenses even longer, usually by 1.4, 1.6 or two times the focal length. So this can actually be a technique if you do have wildlife that's quite far away and you do have your crop frame sensor and your full frame sensor. This is the one case where I'd say, yeah, maybe it's worth putting your wide angle, you know, your quote unquote landscape lens on the full frame, on your better camera, and use your big beefy telephoto lens on the lesser camera. Now the lesser camera has that multiplier effect, stay with me here, that multiplier effect so you actually can get further into the shot. Um, it's not gonna necessarily be as good of quality as the full frame, but you're gonna get way farther into the shot and you might be able to get a photo you couldn't otherwise get if you didn't have that crop frame multiplier with your telephoto lens. Again, that's the only case I'd really give for putting the big beefy telephoto on the lesser camera, but there is that exception, so I wanted to bring it out there. Okay, the last and smallest piece of gear. You're gonna love this one because this is very inexpensive. I am almost positive you have one of these at home. I recommend bringing a bandana or a small sweatshirt. Um, this is not because of the dust, like you might be thinking, not because of the cooler mornings. That is the case, but they're actually for your camera. And what I often do, you will see that there are zillions of image stabilizers out there when you go up searching online. Just check it out. You know, image stabilizers for African safaris photography. Just Google it. You're going to see all the sort of fancy stuff, expensive stuff that mounts onto rear view mirrors and door panels and bars, roll bars of the Land Rover. There's a lot of stuff. That's clunky. You know me, I am minimalist. I wanna be versatile, I wanna be flexible. When that lion is walking in a horseshoe shape around our car, I don't wanna to have to disengage this fancy doohickey tripod thing from the left to the right, lose time, make noise, potentially scare the animal off, and maybe just not even get the shot. I'm gonna resist all those fancy stabilizers and I'm gonna do this one thing. I'm gonna take a bandana or even a sweatshirt and I'm gonna tie it just in a very basic overhand knot on the front part of my lens. What this is gonna do is gonna provide a nice soft padding so if I do need to have a bit of stabilization, if I do need to use that bar in front of me or the headrest in front of me or the railing on the side of the vehicle just to stabilize my lens that much more, just to kind of help it if the animal's far away, just to rest it while I'm taking a, a breather myself, that padding from just a basic bandana folded over on itself a few times, wrapped in an overhand knot on the very tip of your lens. Obviously make sure it's not covering any part of the lens and getting into the frame, but just a little bit there to have that extra padding so it's easy to rest it on a railing or the headrest in front of you 
for the shot. That's all the stabilization I really ever use and ever need. And there you have it, folks. We've got five key pieces of gear for your next African safari. Make sure you have the right telephoto lens. Bring a small travel tripod. Make sure you have a good walking around lens. Consider a second camera body. Heavily consider a second camera body. Even if it's just an iPhone, bring a bandana or a sweatshirt for the sole purpose of wrapping it around your lens for a bit of balance and a bit of stabilization when you're out there in the field. Folks, it's been a fun one. I can't wait till my next African safari heading out there ASAP. I promise you that. Stay tuned for next time. If you have any other pieces of gear yourself that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to do a shout out in future episodes. Go find me on Instagram at wildphotographer.podcast. Send me a message, leave a comment. I'd love to see it. Love to hear your thoughts again on Instagram at wildphotographer.podcast. We'll see you there and we'll see you next time. Cheers, folks.